they went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. Going a little further, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Once more he went away and prayed the same thing. When he came back, he again found them sleeping, because their eyes were heavy. They did not know what to say to him. Returning a third time, he said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Enough. The hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise up, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Just as he was speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, appeared. With him was a crowd armed with swords and clubs, sent from the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man. Arrest him and lead him away under guard. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Rabbi, and kissed him. The men seized Jesus and arrested him. Then one of those standing near drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Am I leading a rebellion, said Jesus, that you have come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I was with you, teaching in the temple courts, and you did not arrest me. But the scriptures must be fulfilled. Then everyone deserted him and fled. A young man wearing nothing but a linen garment was following Jesus. When they seized him, he fled naked, leaving his garment behind. Outside the city wall, I heard the
Welcome uh, to our Good Friday service uh, this year in 2016. Uh, The purpose of this service is incredibly simple. It's to take uh, an hour out of our busy lives and to make one thing uh, and one person in one moment, in one place, our only focus, Jesus Christ on the cross as he died for us. I was chatting to a friend this week and we were talking about how church life can become over-elaborate. You can end up having too many things going on, too many services and too many things. Um, And uh, and the the person was even questioning whether, whether we needed a Good Friday service. And I said, well, if there's one service in the year, I wouldn't give up. It's this one. It's just uh, too important uh, a thing to to remember uh, the death of Jesus. So thank you for coming and joining with us. Uh, you'll notice the the church is pretty dark uh, already. Um, we're th- that's deliberately so. It's not a it's not an economy drive or anything like that. Um, there's a, a tradition of services that you can host on a on a Monday, Thursday evening or a Good Friday evening, uh, tenebrae service they're called. It means the service of the shadows. And it's really a service where you allow the, the tangible darkness to speak a little bit of, of the darkness of the, the event that you're remembering. In Scripture we'll read that uh, when Jesus died, uh, a darkness came over the earth, or as he hung on the cross, I should say. Uh, so... As our service goes on, it's going to get progressively darker. I hope that's okay. Uh, make sure your valuables are close to you and the person next to you isn't uh, uh, in them. Uh, it, it'll get progressively darker, and towards the end of the service, we'll, we'll be in quite a dark space. Uh, but that's okay. That's intended. And it means, by the way, that the, the tone of this service... Uh, sometimes people imagine that the only good outcome of a church service is if you feel good, uh, if it's been a nice time and you're bouncing as you leave. I would suggest there are other good outcomes um, when we've been touched in different ways, and, and this service, I think, will touch us in, in different ways. Um, so just a, an explanation of uh, the, the style of our service. We're going to sing together. Uh, And we're going to sing together hymns that many of us know very well because they're the ones that best focus us on this uh, death of Jesus in our place. Uh, An opening hymn for us to share, The Power of the Cross, Oh, to See the Dawn of the Darkest Day. Let's stand together and sing.
They took Jesus to the high priest, and all the chief priests, elders, and teachers of the law came together. Peter followed him at a distance, right into the courtyard of the high priest. There he sat with the guards and warmed himself at the fire. The chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for evidence against Jesus so that they could put him to death, but they did not find any. Many testified falsely against him, but their statements did not agree. Then some stood up and gave this false testimony against him. We heard him say, I will destroy this man-made temple and in three days will build another not made by man. Yet even then their testimony did not agree. Then the high priest stood up before them and asked Jesus, Are you not going to answer? What is this testimony that these men are bringing against you? But Jesus remained silent and gave no answer. Again, the high priest asked him, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed One? I am, said Jesus, and you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. The high priest tore his clothes. Why do we need any more witnesses, he asked. You have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? They all condemned him as worthy of death. Then some began to spit at him. They blindfolded him, struck him with their fists and said, Prophesy! And the guards took him and beat him. While Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came by. When she saw Peter warming himself, she looked closely at him. You also were with that Nazarene Jesus, she said. But he denied it. I don't know or understand what you're talking about, he said, and went out into the entrance. When the servant girl saw him there, she said again to those standing around, This fellow is one of them. Again, he denied it. After a little while, those standing near said to Peter, Surely you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. He began to call down curses on himself, and he swore to them, I don't know this man you're talking about. Immediately the cock crowed the second time. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken to him. Before the cock crows twice, you will disown me three times. And he broke down and wept. city wall I heard that young man calling Forgive them Father they don't understand that the victory has been won Now my work for you is done And so I place my spirit in your hands. Eli, lama sabachthani, my God, why have you turned your back on me? It is finished, then he cried, as he hung his head and died. Messiah crucified for all to see. Let us pray.
Gracious Father God, we gather here this evening believing that you have invited us and that you've drawn us here and that you are here with us by your Spirit. Lord, you long for us to remember and to dwell on the things that we are dwelling on this evening. Three months ago to the day on Christmas Day at the end of last year, we gathered here to celebrate the coming of the light of the world, coming into the darkness. Lord, that light shone in the darkness, but the darkness didn't understand it. Jesus, your son, the light, he came to those who were his own, but they didn't receive him. Lord, we know, too, that we resist you and fail to bow the knee to your son, Jesus, so often and in so many different ways. We, too, know what it is to not receive your son. Lord, this evening we will reflect on a moment when the light of the world who came into the darkness was extinguished when human beings did their worst to him, when they tortured him and killed him with a humiliating and excruciating death. Lord, we'll see all of that and we'll remember that all of that was done because of your great love for us. These are the great lengths that you went to to make us right with you, to win us back. Lord, we pray that in this hour, here this evening, you'll show us more clearly who we are and more clearly who you are. And more clearly than ever before, your wonderful love for us. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Very early in the morning, the chief priests with the elders, the teachers of the law and the whole Sanhedrin reached a decision. They bound Jesus, led him away, and turned him over to Pilate. Are you the king of the Jews? asked Pilate. Yes, it is as you say, Jesus replied. The chief priests accused him of many things, so again Pilate asked him, Aren't you going to answer? See how many things they are accusing you of. But Jesus still made no reply, and Pilate was amazed. Now it was the custom at the feast to release a prisoner whom the people requested. A man called Barabbas was in prison with the insurrectionists who had committed murder in the uprising. The crowd came up and asked Pilate to do for them what he usually did. Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews, asked Pilate, knowing it was out of envy that the chief priests had handed Jesus over to him. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd to have Pilate release Barabbas instead. 
What shall I do then with the one you call the king of the Jews? Pilate asked them. Crucify him, they shouted. Why? What crime has he committed? asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, crucify him. Wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. He had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. The soldiers led Jesus away into the palace, that is the praetorium, and called together the whole company of soldiers. They put a purple robe on him, then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on him. And they began to call out to him, Hail, King of the Jews! Again and again they struck him on the head with a staff and spat on him. Falling on their knees, they paid homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him out to crucify him. Outside the city wall, I heard that young man calling. Take good care of mother when I've gone. Then he turned his face to see one who asked, remember me. And said, today you'll see my kingdom dawn. El I, Lama Sabachthani, my God, why have you turned your back on me? It is finished, then he cried. As he hung his head and died, Messiah crucified for all to see.
A certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing by on his way in from the country, and they forced him to carry the cross. They brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. Then they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it, and they crucified him. Dividing up his clothes, they cast lots to see what each would get. It was the third hour when they crucified him. The written notice of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. They crucified two robbers with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, So! You who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from the cross and save yourself. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Let this Christ, the King of Israel, come down from the cross that we may see and believe. Those crucified with him also heaped insults on him. At the sixth hour, darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing near heard this, they said, Listen, he's calling Elijah. One man ran, filled the sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a stick, and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down, he said. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus heard his cry and saw how he died, he said, Surely this man was the Son of God. Some women were watching from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James the Younger and of Joseph, and Salome. In Galilee, these women had followed him and cared for his needs. Many other women who had come up with him to Jerusalem were also there. Outside the city wall, I watched the darkness falling, as the powers of death and hell had done their worst, and the My God, why have you turned your back on me? It is finished then. 
as he hung his head and died, Messiah crucified for all to see.
the essence of human sin is human beings substituting themselves for God, wanting to take God's place. And the essence of salvation is God substituting himself for human beings, being willing to take their place. We assert ourselves against God and put ourselves where only God deserves to be. God sacrifices himself for us and puts himself where only we deserve to be. We claim prerogatives that belong to God alone. God accepts penalties which belong to us alone. As we stand before the cross this evening, we get this clear view of God and of ourselves and particularly of how we uh, relate to God. Instead of inflicting on us the judgment we deserve, God in Christ endured it in our place. Had he not done so, I would have been destined for hell. This is the scandal of the cross. This is what the New Testament calls the the stumbling block of the cross. Our proud hearts rebel against this message. Maybe you feel it right now. We can't bear to acknowledge the seriousness of our sin and of our guilt on the one hand, and our huge debt to the cross on the other. Surely we say to ourselves, there there must be something we can do, something I can contribute in order to make amends. If not, we often give the impression that we'd rather suffer our own punishment than the humiliation of seeing God through Christ bear it in our place. The Irish playwright George Bernard Shaw seems to have had a considerable insight into the subtleties of human pride, and he dramatized it to great effect in Major Barbara, his comedy about an idealistic young woman in the Salvation Army. Bill Walker is described in the play as a rough customer of about 25. He arrives at the Salvation Army, the West Ham shelter in London, one cold January morning, And he's drunk and he's infuriated because his girlfriend, Mog, has not only been converted, but she's also taken another bloke. Bill's rival is Todger Fairmile, a champion music hall wrestler in Canning Town, who's also been converted. Accusing Jenny Hill, a young Salvation Army girl, of having turned his girlfriend against him, Bill first grabs her by the hair until she screams, and then he strikes her in the face, his fist in her face, and he cuts her lip. The watching crowd mock him for his cowardice. He attacks a girl, they say, but he wouldn't have the courage to hit Todger Fairmile. Gradually, Bill's conscience and his sense of pride start to nag at him, and he can't bear this insult that he's had from the crowd. 
he decides that he's going to go and do something to restore his pride and atone for his guilt. He says in his broad cockney, I'm going to go to Kennington to spit in Todger Fermal's eye. I'll bash Jenny Hill's face and now I'll get me own face bashed. He let me harder than he, she hit me. That'll make us square. Todger refuses to cooperate, and so Bill comes back in his shame. I did what I said I'd do. I spit in his eye. He looked up to the sky and says, Ah, oh, all oh, that I should be found worthy to be spit upon for the gospel's sake. And Mog says, Glory, Alleluia. Jenny Hill told him that she was sorry and that he didn't really hurt her all that much. And that makes him angrier still. I don't want you to forgive me. Don't want anyone to forgive me. What I did, I did. And I'll pay for it. I tried and got my own jaw broke to satisfy you. Because that approach hasn't worked, he comes up with another plan. He offers to pay a fine, which one of his mates has incurred, and he produces a sovereign. He has the money. Take it. And let's have no more of your forgiven and your praying and your midget jarring me. Let what I done be done and paid for. And let that be the end of it. This blooming forgiven and nagging and jarring makes a man make his life a burden to him. I won't have it, I tell you. I offer to pay. I can do no more. Take it or leave it. There it is. And he throws the, the coin on the ground. In his classic book, The Cross of Christ, John Stott reflects on this passage. He says, The proud human heart is here revealed. We insist on paying for what we have done. We cannot stand the humiliation of acknowledging our bankruptcy and allowing someone else to pay for us. The notion that this someone else should be God himself is just too much to take. We'd rather die than repent, rather lose ourselves than humble ourselves. Folks, this is where the Christian gospel is quite unique. Uh, As the Christian theologian Emil Brunner put it, he said, all other forms of religion and uh, not to mention philosophy, they deal with the problem of guilt apart from the intervention of God. In them all, the person is spared of this final humiliation, of knowing that the mediator must bear the punishment instead of them. To this yoke, we need not submit to be stripped absolutely naked. Tonight before the cross of Jesus Christ, we can't escape the embarrassment of standing stark naked before God. There's no use in trying to cover up like Adam and Eve did in the garden. 
our attempts to justify ourselves are just as futile as their fig leaves. We simply must acknowledge our nakedness. We must see our divine substitute wearing our filthy rags instead of us. We must allow him to clothe us in his own righteousness. Nobody ever put it better, probably, than Augustus Toplady in his immortal hymn, Rock of Ages. We're not going to sing it this evening, but let me quote one verse for you. Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to your cross I cling. Naked come to you for dress, helpless look to you for grace. Foul I to the fountain fly, wash me, Savior, or I die. Let's pray. Father God, we would love it if there was another way. We would love it if our sins could be paid for by our actions. We'd love it if a sovereign from our pocket or all the wealth that we have amassed would be enough to pay our price. Lord, we would love it if we didn't have to bow the knee and see you, your beautiful son, die in our stead. Lord, for 2,000 years we've been looking for another way. Perhaps in our hearts we're still looking for another way tonight. Lord, help us to see that there is no other way. That Jesus Christ, his body broken and his blood shed, is the only way. And help us, Lord, humbly to leave our pride behind, to bow before your cross, And receive this lavish gift of your grace, forgiveness, and new life in Jesus. We pray it in his name. Amen. We said at the outset that um, as we move through our service, it will be getting darker and darker. In just a moment, we're going to finish with a final reading. Um, By that stage, the church will be almost in complete darkness. We'll flick a a little bit of light on uh, after this reading to allow people to safely leave the building. But we're we're not going to do tonight what we normally do. If if you regularly if you worship regularly with us, you know that we're a a very sociable bunch. We like to be together, to enjoy each other's company, to Uh, laugh together and um, share stories. But tonight we're not going to, there there won't be any tea or coffee. There'll be no no 
opportunity for, for that kind of interaction. Instead, we'll just leave the, the church quite dark and quiet. Um, you're welcome to, to sit on and reflect a little bit on, on, on what you've heard, what we've sung, what we've thought about. Um, but once your, your time comes to go, we'd ask that you go quietly and maybe keep your conversations until uh, you're, you're outside the building. So a last reading. It was preparation. That is the day before the Sabbath. So as evening approached, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent member of the council, who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, went boldly to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Pilate was surprised to hear that he was already dead. Summoning the centurion, he asked him if Jesus had already died. When he learned from the centurion that it was so, he gave the body to Joseph. So Joseph brought some linen cloth, took down the body, wrapped it in linen, and placed it in a tomb cut in the rock. Then he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid.